Fighters. He has over 20 years of leadership experience in both the domestic and international corporate sectors, and he holds a doctorate in leadership and is a certif- certified in neurobiology, advanced mindfulness, and sports visualization. It was an incredible talk. We get all the way through NPP, mental performance, and why it's so important. We talk about the concept of neuroplasticity. What are the mental skills and stamina needed by athletes and fighters? We talk about neurotechnologies, application of neuroperformance to everyday performance, and Dr. Roman's top tips. So we hope you enjoy this one. There's a lot to take away from this, and we really go quite deep into a lot of beautiful discussions about the mind and where it can take us. So we hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome, Dr. Roman. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Joey. Appreciate it. So now your your work is absolutely fascinating and I want to give the audience a little bit of history for you. So I want you to run us through how you got interested in NPP, what NPP is and um, <laughs> a little bit about what you do and then we can go from there. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, we've, uh, NeuroPeak Performance's uh, mission is to um, bring a really good sense of heightened awareness to these neurocognitive performance uh, industries, which is really a toddler of an industry when, uh, when you talk about it in terms of sports and the neurocognitive aspects and performance of it. Uh, we obviously do numerous things, uh, but from a neurocognitive perspective into sports, we specialize in fight sports, neurocognitive performance. So what does that mean? Oh, that means that we look at several aspects that increase human performance with the neurocognitive aspect in mind. Um, obviously, we, we, uh, we don't take a cookie-cutter approach with athletes. We've been working with uh, athletes from around the world for the past um, almost five years, coming up in January. So we're really, we're really excited about that. We're blessed in a way that we've been able to work with uh, – some of uh, of UFC's legendary fighters like Carlos Condit, Tim Means. I don't know if you follow UFC or not, but uh, these people are you know are legends in their sport and whatnot. And we've learned so much from them in doing these things. So um, as I was saying, we don't take a cookie cutter approach when we do the um, the training for the athletes, but uh, we do have a uh, a ten point assessment system that we use and that we custom design a training protocol for for the athletes. Obviously, every athlete is different because every brain is wired differently. And so uh, that is uh, first uh, first protocol for us. And, um, and then we take it from there. Okay, fantastic. 
And and you have a, um, and, I'll, and I'll dive into exactly what you do with the athletes in a minute, but you have a very interesting background. So mindfulness, neurobiology, doctorate in leadership. What a combo. That, tell me a little bit about that and how that sort of came about for yeah. you. Yeah, so um, throughout the years, I've been able to and been very blessed to uh, look at different different types of um, education and experiences. Um, I, uh, I'm a former U.S. Marine, and uh, I, what I did in the Marine Corps was in law enforcement, and I was a criminal investigator. So I managed to finish my uh, my bachelor's degree in uh, in uh, human services, mm-hmm. and then um, finished off master's degree in administration, and a doctorate degree in leadership, and uh, with a minor in, 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 in psychology, but I was fortunate enough to get into a three-year um, uh, neurobiology program, and I got certified in neurobiology. You know, being a being a, a, a former wrestler and in boxing, uh, we've always loved fight sports and combat sports. So it really it really made a lot of sense to help athletes out that way um, into the neurocognitive performance. And and you know we uh, when when I say we, me uh, my associates. Um, Junior and Ivan, but we always talk about the upward curve of human performance, and uh, I think that that specialness that that we it, it, that that is expressing really from a genetic standpoint, because I believe that we all have some very unique genes that need to be expressed that are full of talent and and, and purpose, and uh, you know sometimes they don't express till later on in life, or sometimes when you're very young, mm. uh, you know, depending on the environment and, and, and everything else, I guess. But yeah, so it's a specialness to the upward mobility of human performance. And that's what we do. That's how we contribute to uh, planet Earth while we're here. We contribute in a, in a way that we help athletes perform just a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And it's so important. Like I, I come from a background of um, actually horse riding, but dressage, but it's still that, that mental aspect is, is, is in every aspect of life, but it's so important. And I would normally be doing a lot of visualizations to get me through routines and things like that. But I would imagine fight sport is so much the same. Um, it's it's in, incredible to be able to be that sharp, that quick, that, that focused, um, and really, that's the edge that that you need, and even in everyday life. So it would transfer across the whole of these athletes' lives. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, horseback. How how, how long have you been riding? Well, I, I haven't ridden for a few years now, actually. But I used to ride, um, you know, state and competitive dressage. So um, I was trained by some of the the, the top dressage. Um, Olympian yeah, when I was a, when I was quite young so I would have been um, about 16 that I had sort of peaked at my competitive edge <laughs> Wow! yeah it was good fun good fun I love I love the I love the horses and I love I love riding so can't say I've done any fight sport but um, I do enjoy a bit of boxing <laughs> oh good <laughs> absolutely um, so tell me a little bit about so neuro peak performance so like, how did that come about? So you said it's been about five years now. Like, how did that start? How did you get into that? Like, was it something that you just went, oh, I'm just going to start this. This is fantastic. Like, give me a little bit of a, an, an idea of how that came about. <laughs> yeah, we always talk about that. I was, I was 
I was uh, uh, looking at Junior. He was like, yeah, that that is very interesting because we always talk about that. So we, we started what we were doing. We're using neuroscience and neurobiology for leadership development. So um, it's, there's a concept out there known as neuroleadership. And that's what we're doing. We're doing workshops and consulting type work for uh, entrepreneurs and, and, and corporate types. And then um, one of the uh, a world boxing uh, championship boxer, uh, Austin Trout, uh, contacted us and, and he wanted to work with us on some mindfulness and some visualization. And that's, uh, that's how we started. You know, we said, you know, this is great. Mm. We loved it. He enjoyed it. It was very powerful for him. So uh, one athlete led to another, to another. And then you know how word of mouth is. You know, people start looking at, you know, different different avenues of approaches to training. You know, and that's that's very important because we, we look at athletes and, and the athletes that have an open mind, you know, uh, are very receptive to to various modalities of training to get a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. um, and that's very important. We like to, we like to work with athletes that are very open-minded uh, because they're very receptive to the, the training. And, and we, we, we don't have to explain too much to them. They get it. They know what the power of the brain does. They know the, the, the neural aspect of performance. And um, so we like to work with, with, with athletes like that. As a matter of fact, funny, you're in Australia. We're working right now with, uh, with a girl from Australia, a fighter. Her name is uh, Arlene Blanco, and she's the number one ranked Bellator um, uh, featherweight in her division. So she's one step away from a championship belt, and we're, we're, we're helping her out, and, and we're working with her. She's very, very quick, and I mean, very adaptive and uh, yeah, so she happens to be in Albuquerque right now uh, during uh, her training camp at Jackson Wink in Albuquerque, Mexico. And uh, that's where we're training with her. And uh, hopefully she'll, uh, she'll get that belt. So you know, Arlene Blanco, yeah. The Aussie girl, Angerfist, yeah. I'll look out for her, I'll look out for her. That's incredible. So now, this this aspect of mental performance and i want to i want to chat i want to i want to sort of step this out a little bit with you so it's quite um and and, and i think you say it as an intangible phenomenon phenomenon um where the, where the coaches they and, and athletes they don't generally look into this or know how to access this and even the technologies which i also want to go through you with you um because it's such a resource you know their own mind their own capacity but also these technologies that can actually assist with that so your mental skills and your you know improving that fatigue and then improving this in the, in the stamina um so yes. talk me through sort of like a stepped approach you get an athlete what would you then go through with them in terms of like, how do you step this out? Do you bring in the technologies really early on? Do you start to do a bit more mindfulness first? So what does that look like? Yeah, like I, like I said, initially, we do a, uh, a 10 point assessment. Yeah. And that's with, with every athlete that we work with. Um, and and uh, this is what the 10 point assessment looks like. Uh, number one, we start with, uh, with their neural visual and brain processing speed. We want to take a look at how fast the brain can process multiple objects, targets of information, and uh, we use NeuroTracker. NeuroTracker is one of the world's best software 
and on focus, concentration, and attention. It also works on um, training the brain and the individual not to be overly impulsive mm. and avoid distractive information. Mm. So we use that. So that's the number one thing that, that we do. We then look at um, uh, sequential cognitive sequencing. Uh, we have some numbers, numbers charts that we put and, and their ability to follow sequential information. Uh, we take a look at hand and eye coordination and we use different technologies for that mm -hmm. um, to see how well they perform with hand-eye coordination, coordination with agility, mm -hmm. uh, as well as not only physical agility, but the mental agility part of it too. And then we look at, uh, we, we look at vision quite, uh, quite in depth because of all the receptors that are in our body, the human body, obviously 80% of those receptors are visual. Mm. Uh, they're in the eyes. Mm. So it makes just perfect sense that the visual stimulus, the visual sensory information is handled uh, at a much greater uh, percentile than any other type of sensory information. And obviously the visual cortex, uh, the backside of the brain is, is one of the bigger areas. So so it just makes sense to take a look at visual. So we look at peripheral, we, we examine the uh, peripheral visual acuity, yep. coupled with reaction speed to that. Um, dynamic, mag what we call dynamic magic, which is really a peripheral information and how you match it up in front uh, on central vision as well. Um, the near far focus, mm -hmm. the ability eye and the brain to, to, um, to focus on far and near and in milliseconds, uh, split attention, the ability to, you know, uh, split your attention to mutual incoming information. Mm. Um, we, we, we look at uh, cognitive flexibility, uh, also known as task switching. And this is how well you can task switch without hesitation or error prone execution. Yeah. And then we go to uh, some real time neurofeedback uh, using EEG, um, uh, devices such as uh, the Muse device, which is for your prefrontal cortex, and the uh, Versus, which is uh, EEG technology that primes the neural um, neural networks for mental flow. You actually have have to move some items on the screen with your thoughts alone, mm -hmm. and that creates that that primes the neural circuitry to, for mental flow. And mental flow is very important in any type of sport, and for fight sport, obviously, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to do those things. So once we do that assessment, we take a look at where our opportunities are and our challenges, and uh, we devise those protocols and, uh, you know, uh, trust the process. And mm -hmm. we've seen the process work very well. Um, like I said, it's not a cookie-cutter approach. We, we know that there, there are some commonalities, and, and all, this, all these assessments are based on some of those commonalities, common things. Yeah. So, so yeah, we take it from there. Yeah. And so how, how often do the athletes spend with you? Would it be a daily thing in the, in the beginning or would it be weekly or twice weekly? No, it would be the assessment usually takes about two hours as is, you know, as is the training session anywhere from an hour and a half to two and a half hours, depending on what we are working on and, 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 and the conditions at the gym yeah. or uh, whatnot. But we usually try to meet once a week. Yeah. Um, and then um, how many, uh, and this is a very good question because a lot of people have asked us, you know, how long does it take 
for me to see significant gains. Yeah. Um, and how do we see? Uh, and how do we see those gains? Well, the technologies that we use obviously uh, have metrics, so we measure everything that we do. That way, we know we're making progress. And 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 the second, the first question is, how long does it take for me to see some some improvement? And the answer is, well, it depends. It depends on how adaptive your brain is. You know, it depends on the condition that you are on a daily basis. You know, I mean, mm. if you're mentally taxed taxed out, you're going to have some small gains and whatnot because you know the brain is very economical. It's very lazy. It's a very lazy organ. You know, mm. it wants to conserve as much energy. Uh, you know, it's a survival. It's a survival mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's how long it takes. Sometimes we will train anywhere from eight. Um, eight, nine sessions up to uh, 17 sessions, you know, to make those significant gains. And, and from a five sport perspective, um, traditionally, they're all, they, they look at an eight week training camp. So sometimes we wind up with eight weeks mm -hmm. and, and uh, we intensify, we intensify the training. We make it a little bit, make the session a little bit longer and really focus on the areas that we need to focus with that athlete. Yeah, yeah, incredible, incredible. So yeah. you want to have anything, Julia? No? Okay. But you know that you're you're talking sort of the the neuroplasticity, yeah. So the neuroplasticity in athletes, it's not really um, brought out to attention very often, and um, it can be a, a powerful thing when we're when you're focusing on on redirecting pathways to create new patterns of thinking or behaviour. So um, that's really obviously that that's that's key to key to what you're doing, isn't it? Absolutely. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned it. Very interesting that you mentioned that because these elite level athletes, they have their motor cortex very honed in, very refined. Muscle memory is there. Mm. Uh, and that's a plus. And it could be something bad if you got a bad habit in there. Yeah. So we look at those things. But yeah, um, it's very important that the neuroplasticity, you know, um, is, is, is the sole basis of what we do in every day and, and makes us change every every day, right? Because our experiences change, our memories change, and we're just as good as the last memory that we have of ourselves. And we keep building that narrative, that personal narrative that keeps changing, you know, and, and, and that's part of the book of life. That's part of your book. It's part of my book. And somewhere in the middle, you know, there's uh, the rest, the rest of the truth. Of society, right? Absolutely, absolutely, uh, and I think even more so just for for external you know, people who aren't even involved in a lot of um, you know high level sports. All this all this is relevant to daily activities yeah. of, of redirecting brain function, and there's so much more coming out in terms of even uh, you know the, the the psychotherapies as well, and even the some of the, the, the substances that people are using to help bring together both, you know, you know, in areas of the brain to actually create different parts of neuroplasticity and, and um, you know, improving brain function and cognitive function. So I'll get to that in a minute because I wanted to ask you about some of the side therapies that you might get into, but explain to me a little bit more about some of these technologies. Like what, that run me through one of the ones that, that you would love the most or you really believe in the most. There's so many that you use, you know, like and I've, I've pulled up a few, obviously the Emotive, the Muse, the Neurotracker, the Halo Sport, some of these things. So run me through one of them at least um, and, and give me a bit of a how it sort of starts, you know, where you put it on, what activities you run through when you're actually doing it. 
Yeah, so I have no really preferred one. Uh, all of them are, are basic tools that we use uh, to, uh, to make progress in terms of uh, the uh, neurocognitive performance. Um, I'll tell you one of the technologies that, that I like using with uh, in combining other uh, best practices and, and, and training uh, modalities is uh, the uh, the synaptic uh, strobophobic glasses, and these uh, these glasses they look like sunglasses. I don't know if you if you've seen them. They kind of flicker. They have a flickering effect, and then they got uh, they got several options um, that you could block one eye, block the other, block quadrants of the eye to stimulate and and, and, and block and, and and hinder vision. Um, I, I really I really like the use of those of that technology in terms of coupling it with other drills that we might have with cognitive flexibility, for example, uh, it really shocks the brain, uh, the visual, the visual cortex, you know, the visual cortex obviously uh, handles incoming information. And with that incoming information is distorted in any way, shape or form, you know, the brain really starts to snag. And then that, that, that's an industry term for stimulate neuronal acti activation and growth. So it tries to grab other neural, nearby neural circuitries that are used for other, other things such as predict, predictability, intuitiveness. And, and, and it starts to make connections with, with those neural circuitries to overcompensate for that visual hindrance. You know? mm -hmm. So once you take those glasses off, um, it's, like, it's like when you're training with a weighted vest and you run with a weighted vest, once you take that weighted vest off, it's like you, you feel like you can run faster. Yeah. You know, so so same thing, the same concept. Wow. You know, uh, the brain is now wired and made connection with some neural networks. Um, and, and you know, uh, uh, the first law of the brain is neurons that fire together wire together. Mm. So once they fire together, the brain starts to use those neural circuitries for every other thing that you use on a daily basis. And that's part of the neuroplasticity. And it's, it's also part of structural and functional plasticity as well. So um, yeah, that's one of the, one of the uh, tools that we use. And I, I particularly like that one too, because of the way that you could implement it in other, other uh, with other drills. And I'll tell you a story. We were training with an athlete that, uh, and I'll tell you that, Tim means the dirty bird. Tim means he, um, two years ago, he suffered a freakish ankle break during a fight. Hmm. So his leg was all twisted up and uh, he had a whole year and a half to, uh, to rehabilitate and work out his, his injury. So during that time, we worked with him and obviously he had a physical uh, um, strength and conditioning coach that he was seeing. But we, when we worked with him, we use those strobophobic glasses a lot because it turns out that there was a uh, there was a research study on them by uh, I think it's Chicago one of the universities in Chicago, and they found out that by using those glasses and doing training activities, the brain was not overcompensating for the uh, injury. Mm. Because 80% of the information coming in is visual, sensory, visual information. So the brain knows that there's an injury that's being treated and is healing. So 
based on the visual information, it tries to overcompensate for that injury and in movement. Yeah. So with those strobophobic glasses, we found out that because of the effect that it has, the brain is more concerned about the immediate threat, the visual threat, mm. you know? So it made the training uh, um, very beneficial for him because he wasn't to, uh, the brain wasn't trying to overcompensate for, for his injury. Yeah, so um, it was really, really good for him, yeah. Wow, wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Now, as you mentioned injuries, I think the elephant in the room for fight, fight sport is head injuries. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so, you know, how, how, do you, how do you deal with that? Do you notice any differences in terms of performance or what you're doing with those who have had quite heavy head injuries versus none or, um, you know, maybe none of the athletes you work with have, have never not had one? But how do you get around that? And what sort of, you know, things do you recommend for your athletes? Yeah, so um, knock on wood, uh, we've, we've never dealt with anybody that had a concussion or a TBI or something serious and whatnot. But you could actually tell when you first start, if you start working with, with an athlete that's been around for a while, mm. and, you know, anywhere, you know, they got, you know, numerous amounts of fights, uh, most concussions and, 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 and brain injuries occur during, during practice, during sparring, yeah, and not really in fights, but, uh, but w which makes them more success susceptible to those types of injuries. But yeah, we have seen um, a, a, like with the neuro tracker, which is also used by clinicians as part of a holistic uh, treatment modality for um, concussion recoveries. And uh, we have seen some slower speeds, threshold speeds at first uh, during the nerve tracker. And then all of a sudden uh, they, they, they start progressing and then they break free. You know, their speeds so much uh, increases so much so that it's very significant. You know, uh, one of the things that we, we, we did uh, experience is uh, one of the athletes took a, a whole week vacation to go to nature. Mm. And uh, that's all they did. We're out in nature. They weren't out in the concrete jungles, but in the forest with dirt, with lakes, with water, with, with mother nature. Mm. And uh, when he came back the following week, we ran a, a, a neuro tracker session and uh, he made a huge breakthrough. Wow. So, so it's, it's really dynamic in terms of was it nature? Was it him just relaxing for a whole week and not think about anything else, the daily rut of life? Uh, who knows? But the fact that it happens, it happens. And this is a, this is a fighter that's been around for years and has uh, you know, uh, a very good track record. So yeah. That's incredible. It happens, it happens yeah. 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 Again, taking time out in, in places like that can be incredible for so many different reasons, kind of, it can really reset the person, reset us. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, I, uh, we were up this weekend, this past weekend, we ended a training camp with uh, Danab Badgeral. He's a, he's a bantamweight UFC fighter out of Mongolia, and we just finished his training camp. And we went up to the mountain. This is, uh, I think the, the altitude is 10,500 feet. And you can feel them. So the air is so thin, but it's just so crisp. And so it just, it just gives you this 
sensation of, you know, I, I belong on this planet. This yeah. is, this is us, you know? And uh, I would, yeah, it was really great up there. We did some, we did some drills up there, you know, in, in a high altitude and uh, it was just, um, it was, it was great, you know? Mm, love it. Oh gosh. We need more nature. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Connections are super important. Now, I just want to touch quickly on mental strength. Now, I know you mentioned a lot about it in, in your writings. Um, and so, you know, define mental strength for me and mental stamina and this fatigue that obviously the, the fighters would get quite quickly because it's, it's, it's huge, you know, they're, they're on constantly. Yeah. And obviously everything that you're doing with them for training is really important. Um, but just run me through a little bit for the audience about um, yeah, mental strength and your, 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 your perception on it. Yeah, I think mental strength is, um, and, and you look at mental strength from, from, from several aspects, but the two main ones is from the psyche aspect, aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. And from the um, uh, neural network aspect of it, how you're wired. Mm. So, so we look at it from those two angles in that obviously some of our, some of our athletes do see a sports psychologist and they look at the aspect of the psyche aspect of uh, mindfulness visualization as well and we've also done that uh, ourselves but uh, from a neural network aspect mental strength has neural circuitries you know that that are that are developed over over the years you know what makes a person mentally strong stronger than another person is many things you know life itself experiences you know, uh, that, that makes you mentally strong. The ability to be, to tolerate pain um, is one, obviously mental strength. Not too many people can, can tolerate certain amounts of pain without, you know, tapping out and giving out. Mm. Uh, some people happen to, to do it quite well, you know, even to the point where they break a bone. Yeah. That's how, then, and then they still don't give up. You know, look at uh, the boxing uh, Wilder, uh, uh, Fury, Tyson Fury fight. Uh, you know, Wilder was fighting with a broken hand. You know, he could have given up, but he didn't give up. So that's part of the mental strength that I'm talking about that has neural circuitry. You know, it's the, it's the ability to, to tell your amygdala, the fight flight, you know, uh, aspects uh, to, hey, I know we're all you're there. Mm. Uh, I know your neural, neural networks are firing like crazy, and you want me to give up, but you know, giving up is not an option. And that is neural circuitry. You know, the prefrontal cortex handles that, and it puts the brakes on those on those neural networks of pain and fear and anger and all this emotional aspects of things. So, mental strength has to do with with a lot of things. You know, sacrifices. Um, um, Arlene Blanco, for example, from Australia, she hasn't seen her family in quite some time, mm. and she lives she lives in a dorm on top of a gym. Okay, and and those are sacrifices that people make, and that makes you mentally strong. Yeah. Um, helping others when when you need help yourself, and you put others first. Mm. Um, even when you're going through hard times, that makes you mentally strong. 
you know. Uh, and this this part of this narrative that a person develops, you know, uh, over the years and over time that they surround themselves with mentally tough people. You know, they make an inventory on the list. See, why am I mentally strong? And when you take an inventory, you find out that um, you're pretty mentally strong. There's a lot of things that make, make you mentally strong. The fact, the mere fact that you're here on camera with me, we're mentally strong. Hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. We, we just don't. We just don't give up. We want to reach out. We want to tell the world, "This is me. This yeah. is what we do. This is how we connect. Yeah. This is you can do this yourself. We're here to help you out. You know, don't listen to the haters and naysayers. Be mentally strong, and that's part of being mentally strong. Yeah, know? absolutely. And it's that continual conditioning. And even as you are with the athletes, it's that conditioning and, and rewiring and, and re-looking re at those situations and coming up, up against that and then re-strengthening the brain and, and, and the mind and, and the mental and the, the emotional strength and all those things come, come into it. And it's all a part of the, the brain health and the cognitive function as well. And um, yeah, it's, it's all really important. And again, it's mental sort of health day or week or week. we've just had that. So it's really very on topic at the moment that we're talking about this as well. It's, it's, it's so big and broad, this mental health. And it is the health of the, of the brain, but health of the emotions. And we sometimes separate those from the health of our physical body. You know, we do therapies for helping our liver or helping our stomach, but we don't do a lot of therapies or support for our brain, for our emotional centers. So. Yeah, I think it's very, very important. And I love your work and that what you're doing, not only just for the athletes, but just spreading the word and helping others, yeah, in this way. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. As a matter of fact, and, I, and I'm going to send you a copy as soon as I get uh, uh, my copies on, on my new book, uh, The Five Sport and Your Cognitive Performance Training. It is, yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's full of uh, information on there. It's got, uh, you know, 20 of the best drills that we use with photos and everything. Um, it's, it's got a whole chapter on the visualization process. Wow. Um, mindfulness yeah. and uh, uh, the top 20 uh, uh, basic neurocognitive drills that we have for our athletes. So it's a great, uh, great little piece of book if you, uh, if you want to learn a little bit more into the fight sport neurocognitive performance training. It's available on Amazon, also on Instagram. My link, the link is on my, uh, on my bio. And I will definitely, Jody, send you a copy as soon as I get uh, my copies to you so you get to uh, have them as part of your uh, knowledge collection. Yeah, well, a big collection here that clients see every day. So I'm <laughs> really interested in that. But I think it transfers so easily. And like you said, visualizations are so important in all aspects of life. And since I learned it from doing my you know, dressage days where we had to memorize very complex scenarios where we're, we're moving around the track, you know, you're, you're doing your certain routine. And um, since that point, I had that, that, that memory of doing those things. And even to this day, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, it sounds funny, but I went to, went to London on my own for the first time, you know, away from the family and, and, and traveling and um, sort of, and I'd been there before and I'd lived there before. But the visualizations was so vivid because I'd had so many massive experiences across my life of actually giving those um, vi visualizations life that I, I had walked myself through that whole city and the safety that I felt when I got there and that the plane ride and all these aspects of situations in a very positive way. 
it made me so much more relaxed to travel. And I think that all areas of life can be like that, where you can actually visualize the positive scenarios, not bad, you know, we have to sort of singulate that out, but also the performance aspect and even just getting yourself to the gym, you can visualize yourself getting up and going to the gym if that's something that people struggle with. So visualizations are huge, huge. Huge. Mm. Love it, love it. Yeah, we practice it a lot. We, uh, I personally use it a lot and uh, you know, it's just a lot of, uh, a lot of the mental chatter that happens on, on a daily basis. You know, we live in a world of distractions, yeah. you know, social media being one of them that you could easily, you're, you're checking your feed to see what's going on. Somebody made a comment or whatnot. Next, you know, you just, you just spent a whole hour of just flipping through everyone's Instagram posts. You know, trying to seek some, trying to seek knowledge, right? Mm. See what's going on in the world. See what's going on with the people that you follow. Yep. But there's a lot of distractions. So you, you, you need to meditate. You need to be mindful. You need to visualize, you know, especially, especially the visualization aspect and the quantum physical perspective act aspect of it. You know, this field of unity, what spiritual depth called this oneness, mm. you know, that we make up consciousness. And it's so powerful that people need to do that quite often. Yeah. Quite often, absolutely. Yeah, quantum connectedness. I saw something the other day saying that, you know, anything we think now or say or vibrates out of our voice is heard at the other universe. You know, like it's, it's, it's that impressive that anything we think, say, feel, energy, it's, it's there, it's out there. So we have to be very very mindful of what we're doing <laughs> and saying. Yeah, absolutely. Even what we say, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was look, uh, I was looking at a documentary and on the power of obviously visualization, but consciousness and the power of words and, it's, and, 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 and how words are stamped with the universe. Mm -hmm. it, it, our, our voice never goes away. It remains forever because these are sound waves and they stay in consciousness in this universe forever so they're they're kind of stamped in a way so oh yeah that's for me that's powerful Absolutely. you know more more of you saying this 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 at some point in time the universe says well you know there is the opening this is what you've been talking about and it becomes a reality you know because it's already a reality here if you really want something it it, it already exists it's already real you know, just time hasn't caught up to, to, to that, you yeah. know, to that event coming to, you know, to fruition. But, uh, you know, and, and all that requires neural networks to be, to be wired for performance, even the performance of thought. Absolutely. You know, it's, it requires a degree of performance. Your thinking is a way of performing, mm. you know, inside neural networks. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the way you put that with the stamps because it's so easy to visualize as well. Just stamping it to be, you know, getting the stamps out there and the more that that's there and then that's opening up. It's incredible. So on, on the, the health of the neural networks and the health of the brain, um, your, you know, your, your tricks and your tips, but your recommendations aside from the technologies and the trainings that you do with your athletes or yourself, is there anything else that you recommend that they do you know, that they have to do, like it's a, it's a no-brainer, even nutritionally or supplementally, is there anything that you really believe in? Yeah, I mean, the nutrition aspect is so important. Yeah. Water, I mean, 80% of our brain is made up of water. 
yeah. you know, water is so important. And that's why when, 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 when fighters go through their um, weight cutting period to make weight for certain, you know, weight class, uh, when they're going to fight them, you know, they, they deplete themselves a lot, a lot of water. And that's, that's very dangerous. You got to get the right nutritionist that works with you over a period of time so you don't have these drastic weight cuts in such a short period of time that you have even, you, you, we've even seen fighters actually faint and collapse at weigh-ins, you know? And, and, and I mean, that's, uh, that's very un unnecessary. You know, you need the right, you need the right nutritionist. I'm not a nutritionist, but they're out there and they're very good. As a matter of fact, there's a nutritionist, the fight, the fight dietitian, I believe that's what it, he calls himself on Instagram. He's out of Australia. He's mm. very good at what he does. Mm. Um, and I'll send you the link. So maybe you could, you could have him on your podcast show. Absolutely. Really, really, uh, really knowledgeable guy. He's, a, he's out of Australia, but uh, yeah, water for sure. Uh, rest and recovery is the other one. Sleep. You know, the, the, the brain does some very, your, our brains never stop functioning. Even when we sleep, it is functioning. You know, uh, there's certain things that, key things, it does many things while sleep, but some very key things is that during your sleep time, your, 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 your brain cells actually shrink significantly and there's cerebral fluid uh, that turns the brain almost like a, a dishwasher. Mm. And the cerebral fluid cleans the residue, the chemical and neurochemical residues of the, uh, of the day's thoughts, you know, because it's energy up there, right? So it does this cleansing process for you. Um, it also uh, cements memories into long-term memories. Mm. Um, so it does, uh, it does a lot of important things. So sleep, you know, uh, is, is, is a performance enhancement function. You know, sleep enhances your performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, number one, I think, isn't it really for, for health and, and performance um, and water as well. I, I get clients coming in here into my clinic all the time saying I've got mental fog, I can't think straight, I've got a headache. Yeah. And then you hear that they're having like half a glass of water a day. You're like, whoa, <laughs> okay, we'll give you a miracle cure here. Drink some more water. And they come back, they're like, oh my gosh, I can think straight again. This is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Very easy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You saved my life. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Just needed a push. Um, so, yeah, I, I absolutely believe in that. Now, is there anything else that you use that there's like a, a little secret? Um, supplement that you love using or is there anything that you've heard about that really has worked in a lot of your your athletes anything that you've come across yeah um we um uh and, and this is uh the blue troach uh, oh, yeah. Surf. oh yeah yeah uh, carlos <laughs> condit introduced us to that and then also uh dr shekhar pipe and and i'll tell you what it does for me and thank you guys for sending me some uh, it's uh, it's re really great. Uh, what it does for me is very interesting. I mean, just and, and I was talking about this with with my daughter uh, uh, about three hours ago. Wow. And uh, what it does for me is it 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 allows me to kind of like have a tunnel focus to whatever it is that I'm doing. I guess you could call it a hyper focus. Mm. But yet I could see all the other little distractions that are trying to say, "Hey, look at me." Hey, I'm here. Hey, look at look at this. Hey, how about this? Hey, do you remember this? But yet it keeps me focused on what I'm doing. 
So, uh, so I was using it to write the last uh, chapter of my book mm. at the time. And uh, I was really focused, you know, I was focused. And, and, and when you're, you, when you're writing and then you, you write something and the thought is there, and then that thought activates a memory and it, that memory starts to unearth. Well, I saw it and I didn't go to it. I said, okay, I recognize it. How are you there? You know, but I kept focused writing, mm. you know, and, and that's, that's what they do for me. I guess it's different for, for everybody. I don't know, but for me, that's what, that's what they do. And, and I love it. So if I want to hyper focus on something, that's it. That blue choice, that little smurf will do that. I have very similar experiences and I love it also for multiple things, not just focusing on work. I love it for exercise as well when I'm trying to focus for, for, for that. Cause sometimes we get distracted easily when we're doing those sorts of things, you know, working out yeah. the body. It's like you're actually focusing on your body and the performance in it as well. But yeah, I, I think those distractions, that's key. And I've never heard it put that way before because you can listen to those distractions, but you don't have that desperation of, oh my gosh, I've got to do it now. It's, it's more almost, yeah. it's okay, it'll be there. I can focus still. It's, it's okay. So it's sort of that calming but focus, isn't it? It's really, yeah, really cool. <laughs> yeah, so I was listening to Dr. Huberman from the Huberman Lab, and they were doing, they were talking about some research that they were doing at Stanford. So it turns out, and, and, and it turns out the people that have ADHD or have not been diagnosed with ADHD, when they're really interested in something, their neural networks get into a hyper focus mode. Mm. I did not I did not know that. Mm. But if it if they're not if something doesn't interest them, they lose interest real quick and 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 everything's over. Yep. You know? Um, so it's kind of like it's kind of like the Smurf, you know? <laughs> yeah, hyper hyper focused, you know? I know that Carlos Condit used it Carlos Condit, he just retired uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, legendary UFC fighter. Uh, he used it and he would use it during during the training. Mm. And he was like hyper-focused. Wow. You know, with, with his movement and everything, where we, where we would do some cognitive flexibility neuro drills, he was just like on point. Like, wow, no hesitation, no errors. I mean, he just, I mean, he was flowing. You know, kind of like, like a butterfly, but very lethal, you know? Yeah, that is incredible. And that, again, you can track that. You can measure that. You know, you, you've got the technologies to actually see that too with some of these therapies, you know, or the, the, the supplements, as I should call them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The metrics speak for themselves, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, that's incredible. Um, so anything, anything, lasting thoughts? Because I know I have to let you go soon. Now, anything... Tip-wise, for even those who don't fight, who aren't you know, professional sports people, for looking after their cognitive health, their neurocognitive health, is there anything else that you would be recommending people? And we've talked about quite a lot already, but maybe just bringing back a few key points. I think that, uh, you know, one of the key points that I do want to mention is October is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm. And from, from, from that perspective, um, reach out if you're if you're depressed if you're having any type of uh, uh ill thoughts about who you are about your narrative about your life about your experiences reach out there's 1-800 numbers out there there's people out there that 
that can help you. Um, they're trained to do those things. Um, the other thing for the average average uh, Joe, whatever the average Joe is out there, uh, or the average Karen, whatever the average Karen out there, uh, be mindful that you know there we we have about seventy five thousand thoughts, you know, um, a day, and these thoughts are eighty percent of them are recurring thoughts. Every single day we have the same thought, we have the same thought process. Be mindful of that and ask yourself, why am I thinking this? And why am I thinking this right now? Because there's always little triggers or activations, a smell, a taste, something you saw, the, the felt sense, all your sensories are all tightening in this beautiful mosaic of neural interconnections and all the chemicals that our, our brain makes for us and our body makes for us to balance us out. You know, be mindful of your thoughts. Let go of things that don't serve your future purpose. You know, let go of that emotional baggage. You know, what's over is over. And that's one of the things that we tell our fighters, you know, leave something inside the cage. Mm. If you lost, leave the loss. Yeah. If you were angry, leave the anger. Yeah. If you have bad emotional, you know, states, leave them inside the cage, you know, and move on. Let's move on, yeah. you know. The process so that would be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Letting go and being present is so important. Absolutely. Yeah, amazing. Well, Raymond, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. Your, I love your perspective. I love your your work and what you're doing. And keep going, please. And I can't wait to actually read your book. I really am looking forward to that because this interests me a lot, and it's so important for so so many aspects. And it's not just for, um, like I've said, like I think for, for performance, absolutely. For fighters, amazing. And it's even more important. But for everyday people, for studying, for learning, for making changes, for creating you know, new processes in, in their bodies or just becoming better as a person, all this is so relevant and so transferable. So I really thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's great. I really enjoyed it. I learned a few bits of knowledge for me thank you so much <laughs> no worries at all and um yeah i look forward to watching and, and talking to you soon as well watching what you're up to likewise likewise <laughs> cool. see ya thank you thanks for listening to the revital health podcast we hope you enjoy this episode follow us on instagram and facebook at revital health as well as our website, revitalhealth.com.au, for upcoming podcasts, workshops, and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and it is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.